Well, we're a little bit past the halfway point in 2022. And if you're a marketer trying to decide how to approach your events and trade show strategy, it can be pretty confusing times. It's a very dynamic environment with you know, travel coming back to normal, but still some COVID scares here and there. And you're seeing a lot of innovation in hybrid events where you have a user conference, for instance, that's half in person and half uh, virtual. You're seeing events like inbound mimicking that style of event. And so I'm bringing on a guest today who's the global events manager at a large tech company to talk about a few things. One, how they're approaching industry events these days and also how they're approaching their own user conference and what they may do in the future as a result. Let's do this. Welcome to Content Marketing Engineered, your source for building trust and generating demand with technical content. Here is your host, Wendy Covey. Hi, and welcome to Content Marketing Engineered. On each episode, I'll break down an industry trend, challenge, or best practice in reaching technical audiences. You'll meet colleagues, friends, and clients of mine who will stop by to share their stories. And I hope that you leave each episode feeling inspired and ready to take action. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a brief shout out to my agency, True Marketing. True is a full service agency located in beautiful Austin, Texas, serving highly technical companies. For more information, visit truemarketing.com. And now on with our podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Content Marketing Engineered. Today, I'm joined by Garrett Burnett. He's the head of global events at Silicon Labs. Thanks for joining me today, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. You know, I thought you would look a little bit more tired, but you look bright and spry. And um, I, I say that only because you just got back from Germany and a really big show at Embedded World. So let's start there. How was that? It was great. I think the the time zones are working in my favor coming back and, and getting some time back. So I woke up really early um, just because I was excited for this. Right? Um, the show went really well. It was our first kind of big trade show in Europe. Uh, this is a show we've been uh, part of for many, many years in the past. So it was good to be back. Um, I think we learned a lot, um, but we had a big presence and and a lot of team members were able to join us. So it was good to, to be together face-to-face. Nice. I, I attended that show back in, I want to say 20... 2017 maybe (laughs) ish and uh wow it's it's a very large industry show very important very global in nature um i'm curious was attendance up down stagnant what did that look like yeah i think we the attendance numbers were definitely not where they probably were in 2017 i had a chance to speak with a few of the conference organizers and they had kind of expressed uh, that expectation really and there's a lot of uncertainty obviously around uh how live events look uh today and that may be very different from how they look tomorrow um but i would say the quality of the conversations that we did have uh were very positive there were a lot of really good meetings there were a lot of great customers that we've had for a long time that we were able to shake hands with again. So there were a lot of of good things that happened, uh, good quality uh, conversations overall. So that's something we're excited about. Excellent. And, And going into that show, if you know that it's going to be maybe a smaller year, more focused year, what do you do on your booth footprint? Are you already committed? Do you make some adjustments there? It's a great question. And I think one that a lot of event 
folks are thinking through right now. Embedded World is one of those shows that's been around for literally 20 years. This is the 20th anniversary. Um, and so a lot of the layout on the show floor has been very fixed for a number of years. And so um, I think <clears throat> a lot of sponsors are looking at, okay, do we go smaller as a little bit more of a conservative approach and, and hope for the best and maybe save on a few dollars that way? Or do we take the opportunity to, to add on additional space playing the long-term game Ooh, uh, right. to kind of increase the footprint, which I thought was interesting. We chose to kind of remain consistent uh, in our booth, which I feel was the right decision for this year uh, and definitely have new ideas and are excited to, to be back next year. Yeah. Well, as a former trade show coordinator and events manager, I can geek out on this all day. So I'm really excited about speaking with you today. And um, before we dive in any further, uh, just to give context, I think it would be great for our listeners to just hear a little bit about your career journey, including an overlapping company that we both worked at and what you do today at Silicon Labs. Absolutely. So I would say from an events perspective, my career really started back at National Instruments, which I know you're familiar with um, now in I. And I loved my time there. I, I'm still very close friends with several colleagues um, who we've left and come back and some have boomeranged and, you know, the, the tech community in Austin especially is quite small. So I uh, have enjoyed kind of had a foundation built there, uh, which I, I loved. And then from there, I moved over to a smaller software uh, company called Spiceworks, which is more in the IT space um, and led the events charge there. Um, it, different kinds of definitions for different roles, right? It was really the only events guy uh, in the entire company. So uh, that was much more of a startup feel and, and kind of creating and, and developing the strategy from the ground up, uh, including a, our own user conference at the time. And then I moved over to Indeed uh, and joined kind of the events leadership team there uh, and a vastly different scale, much larger organization, a uh, lot more um, to think about there. And then most recently joined uh, the team at Silicon Labs and am very excited to be here. We're doing some amazing things. And especially at this time with, you know, coming out of the pandemic and kind of relooking at how we're doing things, how we're investing, how we're kind of thinking about the goals that we're going after and making sure that we're kind of laser focused on on what that looks like. Boy, the diversity of those companies is so interesting to me because you have software companies and hardware companies and a hybrid and, you know, indeed, I guess you call them more technology services, right. um, uh, you know, layered on to software, I guess. Uh, so in uh, each event strategy has to be quite different as a result, even down to how you showcase a product, you know, physically at a at a show on the show floor. So um, we'll have to unpack that. Uh, but before we do, I know that I, I can't believe you're just coming off this trip in Germany and then right around the corner is your user conference called Works With. So tell me, how long has that conference been going and why did it start? Yes, I you know I feel like as event planners we we feel like things are always so far away and and inevitably they they creep up on us which is kind of what's happening to us right now. I We're bet. about two months away from works with. Oh my god! Um, the event started about three years ago and kind of the the genesis story there is we needed a way to be able to showcase um, both a, a fundamental tech 
technical training, like a very hardcore technical training for developers. In addition, we wanted to showcase our own new products and innovations, um, but in a way that wasn't necessarily a sales pitch. And okay. so the, the name works with uh, comes from the fact that we work with so many great ecosystem partners and tech brands. And this conference has kind of evolved into being that foundational um, conversation and joint effort and, and kind of highlighting and showcasing and celebrating all the accomplishments of not only what we've developed in the last year, but what we've done with those partners as well. So really exciting mm -hmm. stuff. Neat. Very cool. I had always wondered about that, you know, why it was called that. Cause, and you say it real fast works with, it's like, wait, wait, what, what'd you Rolls say? Up and down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it started a few years ago. It sounds like it started almost right before COVID. Yay. And then, so during COVID, what did you guys do with the conference? Yeah, it's only been virtual um, okay. up to this point and will remain virtual this year. And okay. so um, I, I joined the, the team this year. So the team from, from previous years had to carry the torch uh, in kind of getting the foundation set, which I'm so thankful for. They did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but the, the kind of leverage that we're getting, we're learning more and more each year, right? And coming three years out of this pandemic uh, or year three and for the conference this year, um, we're having to think through new challenges, right? There are new challenges around how long people are willing to spend at a computer, how long they're willing to dedicate to something outside of their job, yeah. right? When they have families and things that are way more important. So how do you create content and a compelling reason for them to, to choose you, right? So I think in this year, we were hoping for the best, we were hoping we could be all together in person, but um, based on kind of the data and the feedback that we're seeing and, and people's kind of, risk tolerance for travel and things like that at a global scale, we decided to remain virtual for this year. I see. So you you had to kind of shift your strategy from your original intention. So what um, walk me through, like, what's the duration? Will it look like a physical conference in that there'll be sessions all day long that people can hop in and out of? Are you limiting the time to shorter, you know, shorter time frames or something like that? Yeah, so we are trying to make this as accessible as possible wherever you are in the world. And so we've actually created an agenda with five individual tracks based on what your subject matter interest may be. And they feature a kind of mix of technical trainings uh, in addition to hands-on workshops that you can actually be a part of that uh, will send you a kit in the mail and you'll be able to kind of work through this in real time and get your questions answered uh, through our team of subject matter experts on those individual courses. So really cool mix. And of course, keynotes um, and being able to, to kind of showcase the big news and uh, really exciting speakers that we'll have lined up. Um, but the, the unique factor about, again, the accessibility, we've broken down the agenda in two parts between the US and Europe uh, as kind of a segment. And then we also have an APAC set up. So uh, for timing, and, and I feel like, you know, some of the other regions get the short end of the stick inevitably. And so we yeah. are trying to make that as accessible as possible, which has worked well for us in the past. So is it a live event, simulated live or recorded, but everybody gets together in a certain time frame? Yeah, it's it's a a little bit of all of it. I will I say gotcha. uh, uh -huh. the keynotes Smart. will actually be live. They uh -huh. they will be 
filmed live streamed um, from here in Austin. Yeah. And then the actual sessions, most of them will be re uh, pre-recorded, but they also have live Q&A. So those yeah. session owners, you can still as an attendee go in and get your questions asked uh, by the presenter, things like that. So, but just to accommodate the numbers of risks, you know, that we have to, to accommodate across, you know, 50 plus different technical sessions happening yes. simultaneously, uh, the planner in me is like, let's get as much of that out of the way as possible in the front front end. <laughs> Absolutely. I would do the same thing. Very sound strategy. Uh, so obviously, you know, usually at the end of a conference, you say, and next year, mark your calendars and it'll be on this date at this location or not. So how are you going to handle 2023? Do you know yet? I can't wait to find out. It's <laughs> a, a, just so many. Obviously, we would love to be in person, right? There are yeah. so many like people, again, they want to meet. We learned this at Embedded World. People were so excited that they could schedule a meeting with us face to face. And I'm a firm believer that those interactions are so much more impactful when you can be face to face. Yeah. Um, and so it's uh, if I had any control, I would say we are for sure going to be in person next year, no matter what. Um, but because things are changing day by day, we have to kind of put the health and safety of everybody uh, as the top priority. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think, again, we're always looking for ways to, to kind of meet people where they are and, and allow them to participate. One of the aspects of the virtual components that is really great is truly global accessibility. Um, the, the barriers to attend, the barriers to, to participate are, are slim to none. Um, our conference is a free event to attend online. All you have to do is register ahead of time. So um, there are some some benefits and perks to both sides of the equation, but I think uh, I'm optimistic that we are headed in the right direction and, and hopefully we'll be able to get together as soon as possible. Yeah. And these in-person events, I mean, as the former event planner for Anti Week, <laughs> they're expensive and they're not, even if you charge, they're, you're not turning big profits or anything. It isn't like, you know, putting on a, a concert. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so those are some big decisions I'm sure you'll be making and surveying people and can imagine even some focus groups. So you'll get some great feedback from this year's attendees about how to handle that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, turning back to industry events, I'm curious what your event schedule looks like this year. So we talked about Embedded World, but other than that, when you reflect back on, let's say, 2019 to now, are, are there fewer industry trade shows that are being held that you're attending? What's your philosophy right now? Yeah, I, you know, I think it kind of points back to like, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think even now compared to 2019, 2020, for us, that has evolved. And I am looking at kind of the holistic portfolio of what are we sponsoring? Um, inevitably, uh, not all trade show planners talk to each other. And so we are having to make some tough decisions on events that are super close together. Um, you know, how the budget is shaking out, right? Where where we can be, because we can't all be in everywhere at once. Um, uh, so I think there's a number of different ways. I think, you know, looking into 2023, um, CES is a big show for us that we'll be planning for in, in January. Um, we also have some smaller regional events in Asia that we are, are regular uh, sponsors of that will, um, as long as it's safe, uh, we'll, we'll be planning to be there as well. Um, 
But as far as the number of trade shows that we do, we're very selective. And, and I think we're seeing different ROI come from different uh, initiatives and event activities. Uh, we also are a little bit unique in that our sales cycle is so long. And so, so long. Uh, to be able to, in the traditional trade show planner mind of saying, hey, like this deal was influenced at this trade show is just not a, a true reality for us. So it kind of forces us to have to think differently about how we're defining success and making sure that the shows that we do invest in, again, to your point, they're not cheap to, to go uh, and be a part of, um, that the ROI is there and that we're able to prove that. Yeah. So because you can't track ROI on, like you said, influence sales, long sales cycle, all of those things, uh, what are your key metrics, particularly for industry trade shows? Yeah, we do look a lot. I mean, obviously sales at large is is a big one, understanding the kind of account focus level um, relationships that we have, uh, horizontal business, right? Is there new business being developed in other areas of the business? Um, I enjoyed, I watched Joe Quinn's segment of the, this podcast recently, which he was always an expert on the account-based marketing. I thought that was really, really great. And I think moving into Next year, we're kind of looking at some of those strategies uh, moving forward and thinking about how do we make a bigger impact in the relationships that we already have and going where they are. Um, I think that could be a really good opportunity for us. But, um, you know, there's depending on the show, we actually have a few different audiences. We have to kind of look from that lens as well. And the types of products that we're offering are, are very different by trade shows. So the message and, and the kind of overall strategy for each show has to kind of be looked at individually. Yeah, it's not, they have a pulse and a badge and I scanned it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Those days are long gone, but yeah. there was a time when it was I gave all about them a water the bottle. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I, what I love so much about industry trade shows is there can be so many goals that are accomplished in that one space, in that one week. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, sales appointments and account-based strategies, and you may have co-marketing with technology partners and uh, conference presentations and media appointments. And it's just a, a rich field of opportunity. And I also love that the industry shows that there's a beginning, a middle and an end and a measurement and it's wrapped yeah. up, you know, yeah. versus kind of this ongoing, you know, evergreen campaign say. Right. So I've always been a big fan of this style of marketing. You're um, so if, right. And I think the meetings are crucial, right? And I think we have more tools at our disposal than ever to try to front load that. And, you know, I could say we had X amount of meetings prior to Embedded World, which our sales were ready to walk in the door. The last thing that you want, especially at a big trade show, is everyone to just be standing there waiting for a conversation to come to you, right? So I think it's then yes. people, the more proactive we can be, the, the better case you're going to be able to set up for yourself. So is sales receptive to collaborating with you so that you can help facilitate some of that? Or how, what does that look like? Yes, we are very lucky. Our, we have great relationships with sales, which I think is invaluable in a company. Sales and marketing has to be uh, hand in hand. Um, and in my experience, they've been extremely receptive. Um, I kind of provide the tools and, and the foundation for them to be able to book uh, whatever meetings that they'd like. And, and they've been very proactive in their own kind of customized outreach. At the end of the day, especially as marketers, we think that we know the customers, but the real relationships, you know, lie with the sales team. So uh, thankfully, I've, I've been in other organizations where that was a little more challenging, but here we've done a great job and, and our customers are receptive to being able to meet. Cool. And, and being on the sales side 
uh, and attending industry events, it's hard to find even just a quiet place to talk and and a way to meet. And some of those logistics, all they, they they may sound on the surface administrative, they're highly important to make sure that this time can be as productive as possible with this, again, this rich field of opportunity and all these people there. So everyone playing a role and facilitating that, you know, just helps the ROI of, of your presence there. So absolutely. And I think even in the last five years, the importance of of thinking about the actual structure of your booth and, and thinking about what is most important. So for us at Embedded World, we had three full-size meeting rooms built into the booth. Wow, so that, like little cubicle kind of structures. Yeah, I mean, it's like wow. building a whole house, right? In like three days of setup, but there was plumbing, air conditioners installed, like carpeting, wall, you know, all of it has to be thought through and kind of built from the ground up. And uh, I was very thankful for the the booth team that we worked with that I've I would hire them to build my house in in no time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that speaks very highly of that yeah. team. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, so we coming back full circle to software versus hardware. Mm-hmm. What are some of the nuances or secrets you've learned for an effective demo for both of these style products? Yeah, well, I would say, Planning wise, software is much easier. It's typically web based. It's, you know, you might need a hard line uh, and, and but you are on the web, you're just able to pull up a browser and kind of walk through whatever the, the problem may be. Hardware is a whole different beast. And, and I saw this at NI, I'm seeing it right now at Silicon Labs. It's not just you know, a box uh, that we send out and it's just like a little tinker. Every single trade show that we do at Silicon Labs, there is a custom demo created with a key message in mind. And our team is integral in being able to kind of think through, okay, what do the customers really want to see? What's the latest and greatest? Can we get that produced in time with all of the different challenges we're experiencing with shortages? And can that be shipped and will it arrive on time? Right. So all of these logistics. Right. Oh my gosh, supply chain. I didn't even think about yes. that and in, in relation to demos. Oh goodness. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, we had team members flying with demos in their suitcases of to get to the show to You're ensure always gonna have that. that. <laughs> there were no, yeah, exactly. Those lucky team members, right? No. <laughs> um, but thankfully, thankfully it worked out for Embedded World and, and the yeah. demos were very well received. Cool. Cool. Well, I love what you mentioned about um, for your webinars, how you ship kits to the customer that actually tries that out in in sort of a workshop style. Do you do that separate from works with as well? It seems seems like I recall you have another series of something where you do that. I forget. Yeah. So actually, webinars have been a really great kind of test case environment for us to see how things work before we take it to prime time. Um, and so that we we do have tech talks that we have uh, specific programming around that require a bit of hardware to be mailed. And so um, we've tested that out. It, it, we've got great feedback from it. Um, and I think more importantly than the live component of the tech talk, the on-demand components of the tech talks are equally important. And we've learned that, you know, while you may not have a ton of registrants up front, we can still capture their information and send them a kit for whenever they want to take care of that on demand. Um, and that's been really, really good. Again, just kind of meeting people where they are and when they have time to participate. Wow. So someone can attend on demand and you're doing that fulfillment to get that kit out to them. That sounds logistically very interesting. <laughs> I'll it say is. that because you're becoming <laughs> order fulfillment as a marketing department or, right. or do you have have literally order of fulfillment help you with that? 
we we do have a, a fulfillment house that helps us out with the actual logistics of everything, which has been invaluable. Yeah. Um, but thinking about works with and doing this on a much larger scale, it, it is presenting. I mean, when you think about your user conference, you want to be showcasing the latest and greatest. Uh -huh. um, and for some things, those are not even created yet, right? And so you have to think through, again, will this get to them in time? How do we validate all of this is correct? All of those systems have to be in place. So certainly adds a number of layers. But I think at the end of the day, the, the user experience is kind of a wow factor that you know they understand that like you went through all this work to, to do this uh, for them. And, and they're always quite receptive. Yeah. When uh, when you think about conferences and industry events, I always also think about the the presentations, like in the technical aspect, and there's so much value there. Uh, do you are you lucky enough at Silicon Labs to have some go to presenters that are tapped often to do these, or is that separate from events where you know people from R and D just submit papers? Or tell me about just generally speaking what that looks like when it comes to to presentations. Absolutely, I would say our strategy is all hands on deck. Um, we have great relationships with the product teams, with kind of the business unit segments, which are thinking about the overall strategy and platform use cases. Yeah. Um, and we meet with them almost every day to to kind of help us refine and create this agenda for what's relevant, what's coming down the pipe, what's feasible, what's realistic. Um, and so, thankfully, from them, we've been able to tap specific presenters who are again to. The end user experience very valuable because these are the people actually developing this technology and right. so there's the one creating presentations um delivering the message answering the q a questions um so it's thankfully the the whole company sees the value in a, our user conference works with and uh puts all of the work into it and it's been a great kind of collaborative effort cool and i could see almost every single one of those presentations there's a webinar and there's a webinar and <laughs> oh yeah that is such a key component i'm glad you mentioned that i mean i think looking at all of the work that goes into producing a user conference you'd be missing a huge opportunity if you did not leverage the rest of those sessions for the long term i think actually even attributing to the success of previous conferences, looking at the long tail numbers of views, impacts, and conversations generated after the event are almost more impactful than the actual event itself. So yes. I think as events people, it's really, really good to, of course, look at the real-time impact, but don't give up after that, right? Keep, yeah. keep looking and keep reporting on that because there's a lot of good uh, success to be had. Yeah. And, and I've, and I've seen that done a, a multiple ways, right? Sometimes people film that presenter um, or at least record their audio and then they repurpose. And then others say, Hey, presenter, that was great. Let's make some tweaks. Let's change it up a little bit and then have it be a webinar. Uh, so as to protect, you know, the paid attendees content versus the free stuff, if you will. But uh, which no matter how you slice it, right, to, to your point, just utilize that long tail and leverage all of that effort into other things. Yeah. And the name of the game is quality, right? I think there's there's a number of different um you know, if I'm giving a presentation, it may be very different than uh, a developer of a technology giving a presentation, right? So we have to make sure 
you know, all of those different checkpoints are in place to understand like, hey, do you have good lighting? Hey, do you sound good on your mic? Hey, like, you know, make sure that, you know, you have a clean space behind you. That type of stuff is always really important. And I think quickly forgotten with all the other logistics, but I think in producing a, a good quality uh, experience that comes across from the video, especially in a virtual event, that's that's crucial. Yeah. Well, wow. Busy times. I, I I feel like I need to give you some time back in your life and, and start <laughs> to wrap things up. But I'm having so much fun talking about this subject. Uh, before we sign off here, we, you know, a lot of the people listening are trying to figure out how to navigate this time. There's so much uncertainty around travel and events, and we you, you're probably already signing contracts for 2023. Like you can't wait till end of the year, next year planning. It's now. And so, what advice do you have for these marketers? I think overall, we have to remain adaptable. I think events people in general are among probably the most adaptable people on the planet. I think we're always having to just take what's coming. And, you know, the only thing inevitable in events is that something will go wrong, right? Absolutely. Um, and so being able to to kind of have the plan Bs and Cs ready to go if if in case of the worst, like that is our jobs. And I think um, the, the value that we can provide and, and kind of our self-care, if you will, is always be learning. I think there are new technologies, new platforms, new ways of doing things that are always worth being questioned. And um, I think from that, we can learn, you know, even different areas of events that we may not be as familiar with that we can grow our careers in and find different opportunities that that better align with our interests. Um, and I think kind of right now is the moment where uh, it's it is great to reskill, upskill, learn new things, take a course on, you know, different technologies that you're less familiar with. And that will definitely serve you well in the long term. Oh, great advice. And, you know, you're a model of that and looking at your career path and all the different things that you've done. And you seem happy and challenged. And I'm so excited to watch uh, Works With and see how that goes. Uh, where can people go to learn about Silicon Labs and connect with you? Yeah, so our website is scilabs.com, scilabs.com, and our Works With conference website is also live, and that is workswith.scilabs.com. All right. Very good. Well, thanks for your time today, Garrett. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for joining me today on Content Marketing Engineered. For show notes, including links to resources, visit truemarketing.com slash podcast. While there, you can subscribe to our blog and our newsletter and order a copy of my book, Content Marketing Engineered. Also, I would love your reviews on this podcast. So please, when you get a chance, Subscribe and leave me your review on your favorite podcast subscription platform. Thanks and have a great day.